Welcome to episode four of the From a Certain Point of View podcast. I'm Josh once again. I'm Adam. And we are excited once again to be talking the news, reviews, and points of view of Star Wars for this week. And um, while it wasn't quite as busy of a week in Star Wars as last week was, I don't know how you could top last week, um, I think we do have a lot still to talk about this week. And um, I guess the first part is what have we been watching reading and playing in star wars so adam do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah so maybe maybe not as much stuff came out this week but i think this is kind of the fallout of last week because i've still been mega busy with star wars stuff this week yeah definitely uh i wrapped up fallen order on wednesday night and i gotta say (laughs) i loved that game i loved every second of it it was so much fun. And then I've been watching through, we mentioned last week, uh, I started a chronological viewing of Clone Wars, so I'm working on that. Nice. Finished up Resistance Reborn, and then I decided to start listening to the Aftermath trilogy again, so I've started, I'm about mm-hmm. halfway through uh, the first first book in that trilogy. Awesome. Just kind of a refresher, I've already read through it twice, and now I'm going to listen to the audiobook and just kind of you know, kind of catch up on that because it's been a few years. So Right, right. I gotcha. Yeah, how about you? Yeah. What have you been doing? Well, I, you know, I had this whole, like, in my iPhone, in my notes app, I had this whole, like, layout of Star Wars canon mm-hmm. that I was going to go through in, in chronological order and, and all that good stuff. But then, like, that's a big you know, chunk. I feel myself in, like, three different eras in Star Wars right now. I'm just all over the place, you know, because yeah. we got... It's a big you chunk. Know, Fallen Order, which takes place between Episode 3 and 4. We've got Resistance Reborn, which is, you know, right before Episode 9. And, you know, Mandalorian, which is in between Episodes 6 and 7. So, you know, it's... Yeah, um, it's... It's, it's, a, it's a lot plan, to... But... No, it's a lot to juggle. And I definitely yeah. felt myself having to catch, catch my uh, train of thought a couple times. Uh, right. Especially working on Fallen Order and then... You know, watching Mandalorian because they kind of like they're not the same, obviously, but they kind of have a similar feel, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I definitely caught myself having to remind, you know, my, remind my, myself uh, that this takes place in this time and you where know, are we in the canon separate. timeline? So I, yeah. yeah, I think that's important to be cognizant of of that while you're yeah. <laughs> consuming all this media. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been reading Resistance Reborn. I'm too about the halfway point. Um, I'm in. I've been playing Fallen Order, and I am. I just got done with Kashyyyk, and so um, I also watched um, Rogue One this past week. Okay, and um, absolutely love love Rogue One, and I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about that more when we do our Star Wars rankings. Yeah, um, yeah, I think we're gonna and... probably do that before. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. That'll probably be a December yeah, and show. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And um, Clone Wars and Rebels, I've been watching just strictly the like episodes with the Mandalore and the Mandalorian backstory just to just to get some of that information while I'm watching the Mandalorian and have nice. the backstory in mind. So getting some Mando lore in. Mando lore. Yes. We've been yeah. getting some Mando lore in there. <laughs> cool. I like that. Yeah. Um so yeah, loving Star Wars right now. Nice. So we've so, got some news articles to cover. Uh, we might as yeah. well just jump into that, I think, right? Let's jump into the news. 
Well, you want the bad news or the really bad news? Okay, so our first news article once again comes from StarWarsNewsNet.com, and we have the headline, The Rise of Skywalker Entertainment Weekly debuts new images and details. So we had our Entertainment Weekly magazine here, which is, is going into um, some of the new images from Rise of Skywalker. And I I didn't pull any quotes or anything from this one, Adam, but I did see some images that were pretty interesting. Like the one, one that stood out to me was um, Poe piloting the Falcon mm-hmm. um, with, with Chewie and Finn in the cockpit with him, which I thought was pretty neat. I mean, I, I feel like this has been like a long time coming, you know, we know how good of a pilot Poe is and, and he hasn't gotten to pilot the Falcon yet. So yeah, I think that'll be right. pretty, pretty awesome to see. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. A, a cool image. Uh, like you said, giving Poe uh, the pilot seat, I think is a good move. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of, kind of feels right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Another image here that stood out to me was we have Ray, and she's on, you know, kind of like the 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 jungle, that jungle planet, planet, yeah, whatever planet that might be. Yeah, and we see yeah. her with her lightsaber, the like a, a red training remote, mm-hmm. and then what looks to be like some kind of blindfold, maybe or something like that. Yeah, that um, red ribbon in her hand. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking that might be a blindfold, maybe you know that was in the trailer to, too. That was right. Yeah. Right. Um. So it might be similar to like Luke putting the blast shield sure. down over his eyes when he was training on the Falcon in a new hope. Um, so I love how reminiscent of that it is. And I, I think there were a lot of people who were kind of had issues with Ray, not really being trained and in, in being powerful in the force. And I think this is going to give fans that, that needed training. And I, I do think of course she does need to be trained um, mm-hmm. in order to, to be, you know, a powerful force user and everything. So I'm loving what I'm seeing with this. Yeah, for sure. I like I never really minded her not having training. I think that the explanation that she was unusually strong in the force, I think that always kind of stuck with me, I guess. Yeah. So that part like I can I can see how people get stuck on that because I get stuck on it a little bit with Leia. Mhm. But having her just be that kind of anomaly, I guess, is as she's always been described, that 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 was fun for me. Right, and I think we're going to even dive more into that at the end of this podcast when yeah. we go into our, our points of view. So we'll definitely talk a bit more about that. You know, just everything I'm seeing from The Rise of Skywalker so far just excites me. I think there's there's so many cool things and, and things that I'm really looking forward to. Another image that stood out to me was uh, we see what I'm thinking is Kajimi, which is the kind of like the I – I don't, I don't want to say it's a snowy planet necessarily, but we do see some – uh, first order stormtroopers and some snow troopers as well. It looks mm-hmm. like in this one image, which looks kind of cool. I think we're going to get like some different stormtrooper classes. You know, we have the the Sith troopers, we have like the jet troopers that we saw on the desert planet Pisana, um, and and some of the trailers and everything. And so I think that's kind of cool that we're going to get to see some different classes of of stormtroopers in this movie. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of one thing you, I think you can look forward to in almost every movie is a a new look at stormtroopers. So, right. Definitely. Um, so was there anything else that you, you saw in that article that jumped out at you, Adam, or anything from, no, no, not like, I mean, like you said, there were some, uh, JJ quotes, nothing really jumped out, but 
it was a little resonant for me where he talked about having uh, less reshoots on nine than he did on seven. Yeah, because I think kind of you know I think there's and it, 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 we talked about it a little bit last week about how he kind of felt a little more uh, free in nine. Yeah. So and so maybe that kind of piggybacks on that idea as well, uh, so that he didn't feel like you know in seven he, he felt like he had. Uh, you know, maybe like a, a legacy to uphold, and so trying to mm-hmm. try, trying to nail that and get that perfect. Yeah, uh, where he he doesn't really necessarily feel that so much in in nine. Uh, so I mean, that for me, I think is it's a good sign. Yeah, I think it's definitely a good sign because I, I think there are people that are spinning that narrative out there that like episode nine is in trouble and they're doing all these reshoots. And... Yeah, there's all kinds of weird things out there around reshoots <laughs> around. Uh, early screenings, people leaving, things like there's all kinds of right. weird things all out there, stuff, and, which I don't think there's much truth to it. To be honest, I mean, no, JJ I don't put seems, much stock in those at all. Yeah, and I mean, JJ seems like he pretty much has it in hand, and he's feeling pretty good about it. And like mentioning, yeah, he, there were actually less reshoots for this one than right. The Force Awakens, and I think that any film, most films, are going to have that reshoot process and that editing process yeah, definitely. You know, down to the wire of when you release the film. So yeah, definitely. Even Rogue One, um, which I know you've talked about a lot, uh, mm-hmm. possibly even being one of your favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing. Uh, you know, reshoots are just a part of the process. And yeah, definitely. As, not, as far as early screenings, I'd like for me, that's just too early. And, and I, I know in the production cycle is it's very late for this movie, but mm-hmm. It's just too early to talk about pre-screenings and things of that nature. Right. And I mean, I know JJ is so secretive and plays things so close to the vest that I would be very surprised if he actually like screened the ending of this movie to, to people because then that information would, would get out and leak out and everything. You know? Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, anybody who's had a screening of, of this movie at this point has a vested interest in, in its success. Right. Definitely. Um, ready for the next article? Yeah. All right. So our next piece of news is we had a new TV spot, which is about a 30 second spot that was actually released on Star Wars, their YouTube channel. Right. Um, so it was kind of an official TV spot they released. And I thought there was a, a lot of really cool shots. Um, you know, we see kind of, I think we can definitely tell at this point that it's where when they're in that kind of white looking room and Ray has the dagger and everything. Oh yeah. Right. It right. definitely now looks like Vader's shrine for sure. Like the helmet of Vader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool that that's going to come into play in, in the story. And I would say the, the one shot that really stood out to me though, from this TV spot was Ray leaping from what looked to be like a star destroyer onto the Falcon and yeah. just her taking that large jump and le- that just for some reason I was like wow that is awesome like Ray seems to be doing a lot of leaping and making big jumps <laughs> in this <laughs> in this movie yeah um so I, I thought that was that was a really cool shot yeah like, nothing groundbreaking in that in that TV spot but definitely some new right. things that are very interesting to you know take a deeper look at so yeah it was it's a good TV spot I was excited to see that yeah and I mean it's it's always that question of like how much do we want to see before we see the movie, you know, cause I, they're, I think they're right. hitting, ramping it up for me in terms of putting the, the TV spots out there, you know? Yeah. For me at this point, I'm good. Yeah. Like I'm, I don't know how much more I need to see. Yeah. Like I'm definitely, I'm going to see the movie for sure. I'm excited about it. So, yeah. um, but I think for the, 
the general movie going population i think it's good to to put those out there to get yeah that definitely. population into the seats and everything to see the film but yeah I, I just think and i i even saw like a new tv spot this morning that that was out there and just some again some just really cool shots um we we actually get a, our first look at the the sith troopers in action um we get a we got a shot of the knights of ren on the desert planet pasana um so a lot of a lot of exciting stuff from that TV spot. I don't know if you saw that or not, Adam. Uh, I did not see the one you saw this morning. No. Yeah, there's, there was just some some really cool looking stuff. So I think I'm just really excited, and you know, of course, I want Star Wars to be cool, <laughs> yeah, and to have yeah. lots of cool stuff in it, but also having that just kind of, you know, being emotional and on a deeper level, um, you know, and and start with having that mythology in it and what makes star Wars great. So I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. hundred percent. And, uh, we had one more news article, um, which was pertaining to the future of star Wars yeah, and kind of a big one. Yeah. And one piece of that, and I have the article from star Wars Newsnet on here again, the headline was next Star Wars movie announcement might come in January. Could Favreau, Rajwan, or I don't know, however you say her name, and Filoni head Lucasfilm. But before we get to that, one quote I have here says, sources say Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy, has a film on deck for 2022, but not the one being developed by Ryan Johnson, um, in that they have, she has a director possibly for that. Yeah. So, and originally, did you want to talk about this, Adam? Well, yeah, but just just to keep in mind, originally that that slot was the one that was slated for uh, Benioff and Weiss. Uh, Benioff and Weiss, for correct. The kickoff of, the, of their trilogy. Right. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, that's the one that kind of fell apart. And mm -hmm. I know on a recent earnings call, you know, Disney had set some dates for future movies, and it was noticeable that they did not adjust Star Wars dates uh, during that. Call. Right. Right. So now we might be seeing why uh, they might already have this kind of figured out. And yeah, we'll yeah, I think we're definitely going to get a Star Wars movie in 2022. Yeah, and and like I said yeah. back then, that was still three years away. There's plenty of time to get a quality movie yep. together. So it wasn't yeah. really like a crunch time, things fall apart type deal. Right. If it was going to fall apart, I think that they they moved on it at the at the right time. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. And then it says the whole the Hollywood Reporter, where this came from, mm -hmm. um, also claims that John Favreau could have a big influence over Star Wars creative going forward, mm -hmm. um, likely due to the positive critical reception of the Mandalorian. And it says um, a little bit further down here about Kathleen Kennedy and kind of her dream team. Sources say it's likely that Favreau will have a lot of say over the future of Star Wars. And her ideal team includes key roles for Michelle Rajwan. Again, I don't know how to say her name correctly, um, who is a producer on Episode Nine, and Dave Filoni. To me, this is um, really exciting news. Um, if this is true, and do, right. do you want to speak about this so, before I do, Adam? Yeah, yeah. So some of this comes from uh, Kathleen Kennedy's interview with uh, Rolling Stone magazine mm -hmm. this week. Mm -hmm. Part of uh, one of the bigger I guess ideas that came out of that interview uh, was that she was asked about her plans at Lucasfilm beyond her contract expiring in 2021, uh, two years from now. And her answer was really, it was a non-committal. It's not a yes, it's not a no. It was basically more of, 
that's two years from now. I don't know what's going to happen at that point, which is fair. Yeah. But it's not a definite yes either. So I think some of the speculation about who could be heading Lucasfilm beyond that mm-hmm. it, it comes from that interview, uh, which I think is right. It, there's been a lot of talk the last couple of years. So I, I think before we really get too deep into this, there's been a lot of talk about Kathleen Kennedy and the effectiveness of her leadership and yeah, definitely things of that nature. I think some of this, those arguments are fair and some of some them, of them are, are fair. Yeah, some of them are fair, some of them are not. This talk, I want to preface this, like this doesn't come from that. This comes from her not saying that she's definitely going to be here uh, in two years. So I, this right. is, for me, this is totally fair speculation. Yeah. And I know for me, like, for a long time now, I felt that Star Wars Lucasfilm needs a and Kathleen Kennedy is a fantastic producer and you know she's she's amazing at what she does but I've felt for a long time that Star Wars really needs a creative head that yeah. of, of Lucasfilm that really understands the mythology really understands Star Wars yeah. and for me the person that makes sense in that role in some capacity and maybe not at just being him is Dave Filoni um, yeah. because he's basically the heir apparent to George Lucas. He was basically George Lucas's Padawan and, and, and now has become a, a Jedi master. Um, yeah. for And I think yeah. that's a general consensus among the fan base as a whole. Mm-hmm. Dave Filoni is kind of yeah, the he guy. Just gets it. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He's kind of the guy that, like you said, he was, he worked alongside Lucas for, for a long time, especially on Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. He has, He's he's basically the lore guy. Yeah, for sure. Being involved not just in Clone Wars, but then Rebels, uh, and now he's getting involved in Mandalorian. Uh, I actually, he, he uh, I found a quote from him earlier this week uh, where he was talking about uh, Baby Yoda. Yeah. And he had said that one of the reasons, I have the quote here, uh, one of the reasons I really got interested in this story that John was pitching was the subject of this of this child. Knowing George and how important the character of Yoda is to him, I wanted to make sure that I could help shepherd this idea. Right. That's kind of felony, you know? He, it he, is. And and that's what I think people, the fan base loves about him. Mm-hmm. If this type of thing did come true and he had an even bigger role uh, as far as overseeing creative across everything... I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. I think that's what people have no. been wanting for years. Yeah, I think if people have been kind of clamoring for that, and I think that Lucasfilm is in Disney. Maybe you're starting to listen to the fan base and what they kind of want and what they want to see. And I, I think this would be a really good move. Yeah, it, you know, if Kathleen Kennedy does step down, for her to have you know Filoni involved yeah. in a bigger way and and Favreau even. Um, yeah, Favreau's so, interesting yeah. to me. I was on a different podcast mm-hmm. this week, and I never quite pegged Favreau as you know wanting to pigeonhole himself, I guess, into Star Wars. Yeah, he seems to like to be involved in a lot of different things. In a lot of and, different and, things, and not to you know. say that he can't do that if he were to be one of the three main people at Lucasfilm. Right, and you know, I know that he is uh, very excited about working on Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. I just never quite pegged him as wanting to commit totally to that, I guess. Yeah. But, however, that being said, if if he did, I mean, that's kind of like the dream. John Favreau has done nothing but great things for Disney for the last 10 years. <laughs> and 
Yeah, I mean, he he clearly loves Disney and has a great yeah. relationship with Disney. So I, I think I mean, you, you know, gotta kind of credit him for kicking off some of the MCU with Iron Man and all that. Oh, for sure. And then jumping into for Jungle sure. Book and Lion King and now Mandalorian. I mean, he's done nothing but great things uh, for the company as a whole. So you got to mm-hmm. be excited for that possibility. Uh, for me, I just kind of maybe take a little bit more of a wait and see approach with him, I guess. Yeah. Definitely, but yeah, there's well, and we'll wait and see what happens with this in the future, and if this is indeed the the path that Lucasfilm is going to go on. So yeah, yeah. Um, before we move on to our review segment, Adam, I did want to circle back a little bit to the if they had they have a director in mind for this 2022 movie, and I, I did this thought just came into my head like, who do you want to see direct a Star Wars movie? You know, if you if you had a choice of a director you know, your dream director for Star Wars, who would it be? I know I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, but... Yeah, um... I'm gonna go back to Dave Filoni. Okay. Uh, they, you know, ready for, like, ready like for I Dave said, to that's, step up? Yeah, I think so. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he directed the first episode of Mandalorian, and... Which was great. Yeah, so, so far it's probably been my favorite episode, I think. Uh, That's a great and, choice. Yeah, and we'll get into that later, I guess. But mm-hmm. I, th- I think it was just the Baby Yoda reveal and all that just kind of blew my mind at that point. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I think it has to be Dave Filoni for me. Okay, I like that choice. Do you um, have a dream choice in mind? I do, I, I do. And, you know, I recently sat down and once again watched Blade Runner 2049. Um, okay. Which I, I think that movie is fantastic, and um, Denis Villanueva, who directed that that movie, um, he would be my choice. I, I think that okay. he he would bring something new and fresh and just interesting to Star Wars. And ever since I saw that that movie um, a few years ago, I wanted to see him do a Star Wars movie. So that would be my choice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, so are we ready to go into the review segment? Yeah, let's do it. My disappointment in your performance cannot be overstated. Okay, uh, so for reviews this week, we've got three main topics we're going to cover. Uh, we're going to save Mandalorian for last, because we are going to do that kind of in two parts like we did last week. We're going to talk about the episode in general, and then we'll circle back and do some spoilers uh, so just so you just so you're aware, uh, there will be spoilers later in this episode. You'll want to skip ahead. Uh, we'll put an audio cue up for you so you know exactly when those spoilers are going to happen. Uh, but before that, we're going to get into Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, we'll cover up through Kashyyyk. Like we said, we're doing a review in progress of that game. And then finally, we're uh, we're also going to cover a little bit of, of uh, Resistance Reborn, which is the new book that came out about two weeks ago now. Uh, we're going to not talk about the whole thing. Uh, I know Josh said this is, he's about halfway through that book, uh, but we're going to cover it just a little bit here uh, because it is kind of important leading into Rise of Skywalker. So let's circle back, and we're going to start with Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Up through Kashyyyk is where you said you, I believe you said you were, so. Yeah, I just uh, finished my mission on Kashyyyk, and before that it would have been Zepho, I think. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely loving this game. Um, just to talk about Zepho a little bit, yep. I loved the whole aspect of it that was kind of puzzle-solving and with those 
um i don't know what else to call them but like big metal balls basically yeah force <laughs> um, balls <laughs> but <laughs> and just the whole puzzle aspect of that was was really interesting i love that aspect of it and i just love the game in general and then Kashyyyk I had I had a little bit of a struggle on Kashyyyk for for a bit there was kind of a, a long period of time between save points um and, okay. a, and some challenging enemies in between those save points so I I still learning the combat and and you know I'm not the best gamer out there so you right, know it takes right. me a little bit but um you know getting past that frustration and and, and finally getting past those enemies um was pretty rewarding and i just love the tie-ins to like you know spoiler warning um if you haven't played the game yet um like you know saw Gerrera and right. and that and that whole thing and um and kind of like the having the imperial like k2 type droid in there and and, and those sort of yeah. the tie-ins to rogue one and stuff so i enjoyed that yeah, uh, so let's kind of go back and do that point by point. So the first thing you brought up was really the, the dungeon-style aspect of, of mm-hmm. CFO, uh, which does come back into play later. And I, that's, one that's of good, because it mentioned. went away a little bit on Kashyyyk, and that was like, well, I love that element of yeah. it, you know? And it's one of the things I mentioned last week. One of my favorite games of all time is Zelda, and pretty much any Zelda game in that series, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I love dungeons and puzzle solving because of that reason. And yeah, for sure. One of the game types that this combines is uh, that type of dungeon style puzzle solving mechanic. And to get through Zepho, that was a main focus of that whole planet uh, was to get mm-hmm. through the Jedi temple. And to do that, like you said, you had, you had, the, you had the, those giant metal balls and you were moving those around to get them to the right spot. Uh, there was also some uh, force aspects where you'd have to solve certain puzzles by using force abilities. It just I, I love that aspect of this game. Yeah, me too. That's probably my favorite thing about it so far mm-hmm. um, was that aspect of it for sure. Yeah. And then another point that you kind of touched on was safe, safe spots. And then I think also the map, uh, which I think if I had one main complaint, the map is a little difficult sometimes. And I'm talking specifically yeah. about when BD1 shows you the map. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes a little difficult to decipher, especially when you're looking at different levels and how, how one area connects to another area. Yeah, that was a little bit of a struggle for me. <laughs> yeah, so that that I can definitely understand. It's a little tough to read sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just kind of find myself guessing about which path would take me to which area that I needed to get back to. Right. Um, but that only really happened a couple times for me. Kashyyyk was one uh, area that that happened, and I think uh, it might have been Zepho. Yeah, well, I found it interesting, uh, too, and, and you might have touched on this a bit last week, Adam, but like at the end of my Kashyyyk mission, basically my next mission is to go back to Zepho, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of cool. Like I'll be traveling back to that planet and have another yeah. mission there, and so I think that's kind of... Yeah, it, it, t- it tends to do that a lot, where you're traveling traveling back and forth uh, to, to mm-hmm. planets that you've already been to, which is great because you'll unlock new things as you go back. Uh, right. You'll be able to take new paths that you couldn't before. Mm-hmm. So, I think my next move before I go back to Zepho, though, is definitely to go to Dathomir and get my double-bladed lightsaber. I, th- I think I think you'll have to wait for a little bit on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Will it be too challenging? It, it is. Uh, it's it's once you get it, it's. I didn't go back to a single-bladed lightsaber after I got it. I'll tell you that. 
Yeah, I probably won't be able to go back either. Yeah. And then uh, save points is something else I want to touch on. I've, you're, mm-hmm. you're not the first person that I've heard say that about save points. Uh, because right. it's not a, a typical game uh, that, that we might be used to in the recent past. Where mm-hmm. a lot of games are going to be saving for you as you go. And you don't really have to worry about managing save points so much. Right. Now, I don't know for me if it's just because I've played a lot of Metroid-style games. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this, like we said, this is uh, a Zelda style with dungeons, but then the map is very Metroid, and I don't know if you've played any of those games, Josh. I have not. No. Okay, so so Metroid games kind of follow the same the same formula, where you have a large map, and then you're unlocking certain areas of the map as you progress through the game, depending on the different abilities that you uh, recover as you go. Mm-hmm. So that style of you know map progression is almost it's a one-for-one metroid uh, i don't want to say copy but it, it, it's the same idea yeah and so is the save point so in metroid you come across different rooms that are save rooms where you can plug into a computer and save your game at that point mm-hmm. uh, so not and then beyond metroid uh, there's been a whole style of of game called metroidvania which is like a 2d side scrolling type thing Right. That is all v- very reminiscent of Metroid. And those games kind of use the same mechanics where you have the save rooms and the map is uh, locked at the beginning until you uh, recover abilities and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very Metroid. And I, I read someone this past week that said that Jedi Fallen Order is the best Metroid game in the last decade, <laughs> which is, it really is. It's, it's right. the same type of thing. So I guess back to the save points. Like I guess that's just something that I've been used to since that's a style of game sure. that I've played a good bit recently. Yeah, and and I think I only experienced frustration with it on Kashyyyk so far just mm-hmm. because I, I felt like there was this one portion of that mission that I had to play several times over, you know, because I would get killed and then I'd go back and then have to start all over again. So that was a little frustrating. Yeah. I mean, for this, the, the game for me is still, right, and as I'm in progress right now, a 9 out of 10 game for me absolutely oh, love yeah, it yeah. that would be my only minor complaint would be just just that my limitations in combat lead to my demise and then, and then kind of restarting <laughs> if i didn't save it so yeah so yeah, for me definitely own. still a high scale like yeah nine out of ten at least for me mm-hmm. i think i only have only gotten screwed twice with save points i think yeah uh it happened one time at the very beginning and that kind of uh, kind of learnt me real, real quick, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, and then it happened once later in the game, but that was and and that was actually my own fault at that point. I just didn't save when I should have. So right. But yeah, and that's another Metroid thing, like learning to manage save points, which you'll learn as you go. Uh, yeah, definitely. And they always seem to circle back. So for me, it never re- really felt like I was going too long without a save point. Mm-hmm. Because usually, uh, usually once you unlock a path, it's going to circle back to a to a save point. Uh, any other thoughts on Fallen Order before we wrap up this part of our review? Uh no. I, overall, okay. I I just love the game, and it, it's definitely the Star Wars game I was waiting for because I'm all about single player story based games. Um, mm-hmm. those that's my bread and butter, you know. Versus like the online multiplayer stuff. Um, 
you know, I like I, I like playing those games, but I'm again just not a great gamer. So for me, like being able to do a single player game with a story, and you know, uh, I'm just loving it. Yeah, great. Uh, why don't you start off on, on Resistance Reborn? Because I know you said you're about halfway through, and I don't quite remember remember where everything falls. So I don't want to. Yeah, get too yeah. Far ahead of you. Um, I'm I'm about halfway through, and you know I I'm I'll try to avoid getting into any like major spoilers or anything if if you if anybody out there hasn't read yeah, it. Yeah, that's fine. um, but um, yeah. I mean, my overall feeling on it is I like it. I'm enjoying it. I don't, to be honest, I don't love it. Um, I I feel like um at times it feels like a kind of a greatest hits of canon to me, where it's like which is a good thing on one hand where you're pulling together all the, all the canon novels that have come before it and characters right. from those novels and, and, and kind of pulling it all together. But sometimes I think it comes at the expense of really having kind of a new story there, pushing the story forward. That would be my critique of it. But, but I do like the fact that, you know, we're getting all of these characters and all, all of these things coming together and tying the canon together, which I think while at times it can be a weakness, I think it can also be a strength of, of this this novel so far. And I'm at the point where, like, all the characters are starting to gather on Ryloth okay. um, and, and sort of come together, which for me, I feel like it's getting more interesting and getting more exciting. I've been enjoying, like, the return of Wedge's character and, like, mm-hmm. Poe's storyline yeah in particular, um, yeah. and him kind of dealing with the Pose failures is, yeah, of the last Jedi character. in, in this yeah. Far. This mm-hmm. is, this is Poe's story. Yeah. So I'm loving Poe's story and, you know, I think it's really dealing with the choices he made in the last Jedi and how that's yeah. affecting him going forward. So that's my standout. And that's, those are my overall impressions of this one so far. Okay, great. So, uh, I actually have been loving, uh, Re- resistance reborn. Good, good. Yeah, Glad and it's maybe not my favorite canon book, right? But I do love it, and I would actually go so far to say I know people cringe when they hear this, but I would actually go so far to say this is probably required reading uh, going into Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely one of those ones that you you got to pick up if if you want a little bit more going into episode yeah, nine. yeah and not even just going into episode nine but like this is poe is very transformative as far as his character goes in here like you said he has to deal with a lot of the decisions he made with leading the uh leading the mutiny and mm-hmm. getting some people killed at the beginning with with the bombing, with the bombing run, run the bombing right. run he has to deal with that a lot in this and he comes to terms with a lot of things that he did uh during last jedi and this is his growing uh i don't want to say growing up he grows in this story and he moves past a lot of that stuff so i think that in rise of skywalker we're going to see a a very different poe we're going to see a poe that's kind of come into his role as a leader Mm -hmm. and that transformation i think might be a little i don't want to say jarring that transition might be a little bit uh, a little bit much in between in in between movies uh, for people that haven't read this book. Yeah, I think what you're saying, Adam, is his his transformation will be a lot more believable and earned if you read the story. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of his a lot of his growth comes in this book in between yeah. these two 
movies, obviously, without having seen uh, Rise of Skywalker at this point. And for me, Poe coming into a leadership role is something I've been looking forward to since The Force Awakens. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I'm definitely excited about that. And, and, you know, of course, I have to take into consideration that my review in progress here on this is coming with me only having read half of it. So um, yeah. I might feel differently, you know, once I get to the to the end. I, yeah, I don't think you will. Uh, like, I, I, th- right. I, think, I think you'll still like it, but just knowing how it mm-hmm. ends, like, I think you'll still like it. I don't think you'll fall in love with it after, after right. the halfway point. But right. But then also, not just Poe's story, We this is where the Resistance comes together. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen these big shots of in the trailer of all these different ships and all this support that the Resistance now has, which at the end of uh, Last Jedi, they don't. It's, it's one ship. It's right. the, it's the Falcon and those four. So it's like, how did they people. get all these people together? And, and how I imagine did they rally all. Yeah, these and I imagine troops. you're going to see some of that. But a lot of the stuff that you read about in Resistance Reborn goes back to the call uh, that was put out at the end of Last Jedi, you know, for support across the galaxy, which obviously didn't come. Yeah, and I get the feeling that this, uh, and I haven't really gotten into it yet, but. That like that's going to be explained, like why they didn't answer the call, and like the force first order might be behind something that was going on there. Why they didn't respond yeah. to that? Yeah, and then the the novel itself here deals with the fallout of that and how mm-hmm. how, how they rectify that. And I think that's that's pretty important. That's another one of those things that's going to be a lot more. It's going to be a, a much easier transition between movies, having known the story that happens in Resistance Reborn. Yeah, like for for me, like this reminds me of leading up to Rogue One when I read Catalyst, and yeah. I, I loved Catalyst, and I felt like it was such a great lead in into Rogue One. If you read Catalyst, you get a lot more out of Rogue One, which I did, um, mm-hmm. and I think this is kind of a similar scenario. Yeah, and the last point, and I don't think this is as a spoiler for you. It's it's a it's a very minor spoiler for other people. But, yeah, it's fine. Um, Leia in in resistance reborn we see that she's not healed at all uh, right she's still kind of recovering from her injuries and everything and not only recovering she's actually not doing that great not not doing good yeah yeah so yeah that's the impression i got as well so you know yeah. so there is definitely some and i don't fall out to... of her being in space yeah and 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 last jedi almost gives the impression that maybe she's actually healing from from that stuff right uh, but in resistance reborn we definitely see that she's actually not Mm-hmm. So I think that might be a pretty important piece of uh, Rise of Skywalker that's going to come back into play. Yeah, and it but, leads me to believe that while, while initially I didn't think, I thought maybe she wouldn't die in Episode Nine. now I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that she might. It's It definitely um, seems to be foreshadowing that event. Right, right. So we'll yeah, see. so yeah. For me, I have been loving Resistance Reborn. I would call this, like I said before, required reading. If you really mm-hmm. want to know what's happening in between these movies, if you really want to get the most out of Rise of Skywalker, I, I think you need to check out this book. And... Yeah, I mean, I, I was, um, I was reading Aftermath before picking this up. Okay. And um, having a hard time getting through that. Um, after, Especially yeah. that that first. We'll have to talk um, about that sometime. I mean, aftermath—it's it, different. 
We'll come back to that. But Resistance yeah. Reborn for me, even though it's not like my favorite so far, mm-hmm. I still really am enjoying it. I'm, it's a much quicker read for me. Like I, I'm more interested in this and in, in invested in it. And like it's definitely going by quick for me because I'm a slow reader. But, yeah. um, you know, I'm definitely in, enjoying it. So cool. And now the big one, uh, Mandalorian Chapter 3. Josh, what did you think That's of Chapter right. 3? My overall feelings on on chapter three, I feel it's um, right up there with the first episode for me, which because I loved the first uh, chapter of The Mandalorian. Um, And I thought episode three was great. I think it really expanded on the world that we're in with the the bounty hunters and with the guild and with the Mandalorian culture. Um, And I think, you know, I just love the the dynamics and the interactions between um, the Mando and, um, you know, spoiler warning, I guess, uh, baby, baby Yoda. Um, And so I'm, I'm, I'm just, I love this episode and I'm, I'm still every week just wanting to see what happens next. I hate when each episode ends um, because they are a little bit on the short side, which I complained about last week and I'll continue to have a small issue with. Um, just because I want more of it and I'm always wanting when I get to the end of it, I'm always wanting more, which I think is a credit to what they've created here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I'll, I think my feelings are pretty much the same. I, I love this episode mm-hmm. the same as I loved episode one and two. It's hard for me to, like I said, I think maybe earlier, uh, like I had said, I think maybe the first episode is maybe, maybe my favorite so far. Yeah. But that's kinda yeah. like picking your favorite kid. I mean <laughs> Right. Um I'm, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, yeah. Yeah. It's it's been really good. I and I loved episode two. I thought episode two was just a really fun ride. I love the jaw was and I love the whole the the baby Yoda reveal, how strong he is in the force. I love it. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely loved it stuff. too. Yeah, there wasn't it, a, it was like a of... side mission kind of thing, but yeah, I still right, enjoyed right. it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But episode three, uh, you get into a lot of some answers in this episode, which felt pretty good. Uh, but then there's mm-hmm. also a lot more questions. <laughs> so there's a lot more stuff. Yeah. To it's, cover. It's doing a good job of answering and asking more questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think if I, if I, and I know we talked about last week, whether or not we were going to give, you know, kind of point values or anything to these reviews mm-hmm. and, you know, I think it's kind of, it can be fun to do that. So if if I had to yeah. give a score to these episodes so far, um, I would say the first episode for, m- for me was a nine out of 10. Um, the second for me was an eight. Um, even though I, I loved it, I thought it was, you know, kind of like the, the side mission aspect of it. Um, and this uh, chapter three for me would be back up there to a nine again. Yeah. I, I don't want to like uh, make this too easy, but for me, like I said last week, this is maybe my favorite Star Wars thing of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. There are nines across the board for me. All right. Okay, so like we said before, we're going to do a spoiler discussion now. We've done our general thoughts on this episode so far. If you don't want spoilers, it's now time to skip ahead. Okay, Josh. Spoiler time. Uh, All right. Mandalorian Chapter 3 is called The Sin. What do you think about that title? Let's just start with there. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was wondering. Um, you know, what does this title mean? The sin, because you know, the the first chapter was just chapter one. Then we had the child, the child, and now we have the sin. Right. Um, and you know, for me, I feel like from my perspective, from my point of view, um, the sin is just like kind of the sins committed against this child. Um, this child being innocent, obviously, and being used for some purpose that we don't know yet. And I'm um, just kind of being experimented on. And um, I think that is, that is the sin for me, but what what are your thoughts on the title? I think it, I think it's twofold. I think it's, uh, like you said, with, with the empire, uh, once with, with baby Yoda, uh, I think that's, that's part of the sin. Uh, because mm-hmm. it, um, and we'll get into this a little bit more later. Uh, we do kind of hear a little bit about what they want with, with the child. Right. But then I think the sin also deals with what Mando decided to do, uh, where he you know, really broke his code. He mm. really broke uh, what, mm-hmm. you know, what, what his, his vows to the guild would have been, I guess. Uh, maybe. Yeah. He goes completely strong, rogue but, here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I like your point of view on the with, title. Yeah, I think that has to deal with with the title a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's let's go back to the beginning of the episode. Then uh, we catch up with him leaving Arvala Seven, and he's flying back to deliver the bounty. So on the way, he gets a call from Grief Karga, and you know, Grief says, you know, "I don't know if I don't want the client wants so bad with this with this baby with with, with this." package uh, he doesn't mm-hmm. know it's a baby I, I, don't, I don't believe uh he doesn't know if he wants to eat him or hang him on his wall <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's not sure but, but and grief is pretty happy yeah he's obviously happy that the bounty's being brought in mm-hmm. um and you know i one thing i wanted to to touch on here with yes. i i love i just just these little things that pop up in in this show that are so star wars that i love i just love the the hologram popping up in the spaceship and, and grief yeah. talking to him just that little thing just that little star wars moment in there and then just the scenes with baby yoda on the ship him once again climbing out of that what, what were we calling that you had a name for that repulsor that rib repulsor crib yeah. and and just climbing out of there again and playing with the knob on on that lever that <laughs> yeah in the ship but yeah you, you know at see, first he, i thought baby knob. yoda was going to yeah. jump to light speed but um <laughs> yeah he loves that just... knob and that and that's a great yeah. scene uh yeah. because mando tells him that's not a toy he picks him up and puts him back in his repulsor crib right <laughs> which is important i just later, love it and we're going to cover that later but that that kind of starts to maybe see a shift in, in Mando's outlook on things right there. Mm-hmm, for uh, sure. I can kind of see how he feels at the beginning of this episode. And then we'll revisit that in a little bit, in a little bit here. Yeah. I think uh, there, that moment when he kind of lifts him up mm-hmm. and puts him back in the the repulsor crib, like I feel like, Oh, I don't know if I like the way that he's picking him up. Is he sort of sort of, cause I felt like they had this connection and he was yeah. really caring and, and loving towards baby Yoda. And then the way that he just kind of put him back in there, I was like, Oh, is he trying to distance himself emotionally at this point now? And cause he knows he's going to both. Yeah. Turn the bounty in and, and, and give him up, you know, yeah. I, I think, so. I think on, on uh, Arvala, he started to have those, those sorts of feelings and he was trying to come to terms with that. And yeah, definitely. At the beginning of episode three, he's still kind of fighting those those feelings. 
Mm-hmm. But it, I do think he does at this point have some connection uh, with the child. Right. Now, Adam, you also mentioned the planet's name. Um, Arvala did you say Arvala Seven? Yeah. Yeah, so I do want to briefly touch on and that. That was okay. the just just to make sure that everything's clear. That's the Tatooine style looking planet uh, where he meets uh, Quill. Right. So I really wanted that to be Tatooine. So I'm a, and, yeah. and I'm you know I thought about doing kind of a blog post on this where I'm a little bit grumpy, just about you know where is where is Tatooine? Where where are our familiar planets? Like my thinking is if if a planet feels so much. And looks so much like an original planet that we knew and loved. Why don't we just call it that planet? Why don't we just use that planet? And um, yeah. you know, I, I think that's kind of like a yeah, little I'm disappointing with, for me. I'm with you on that. Yes, yeah. for me, it's a little pointless. Like I and I believe we talked about this a little bit last week, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. I know we want to fill out the galaxy and and yes. make it seem like a like a big place with lots of planets and lots of possibilities and, and things of that nature. Right. But like you said, if we have a planet that looks like Tatooine, that feels like Tatooine, that's inhabited, it's got Jawas, it's got a Sandcrawler, it's... <laughs> it's Tatooine. Just yeah. make it Tatooine. Uh, yeah, that's, it, it that's kind my of only goes point. back to one of my main complaints with the sequel trilogy so far has been kind of the lack of different ecosystems on planets mm-hmm. we, you know we've had snow or salt whatever we've had desert jungle, forest you know. j- yeah d- jungle yeah. And, and desert mm-hmm. and it sounds like we're getting that again in, in nine you know if we yeah, have and, these and, desert planets and and i get that there's not going to be just one desert planet in a galaxy that large right but some of it just feels like we're using the same type of ecosystems and just putting a different name on it i guess yeah so just you know i'm all about you know using different planets and expanding the galaxy and everything but every once in a while i wouldn't mind visiting one of our familiar planets and like i thought episode nine would be a great opportunity to do that with the death star remains being on endor but then we found out it was one of the moons maybe um an ocean moon um Kefber or whatever the name yeah. of that is and then yeah. and then with this in the mandalorian i thought oh that's tatooine but no it's not so um i don't know if like george lucas gets some royalties or something for yeah, using things so. that he came yeah, up with and maybe know. that's part of this i don't know if i'm looking too deep into it but um you know yeah i i don't think it's that but i really don't understand the the aversion to using tatooine or or other planets like that right but anyway so, um getting back to the point after that little diversion uh, we go back to our unnamed planet and this is where the uh, bounty hunting guild seems to be centered and mm-hmm. also where the uh, mandalorian armory is uh, is hiding out uh, but the the mandalorian delivers the uh, bounty to the client and we find out the client has given out multiple fobs uh, for this bounty so all of the all of the different bounty hunters that we ran across on our vala uh, were all sent there by the client. Yeah, it actually came from the client. I wasn't sure if they all came from the client or not, but we seem to have got that answer. Yeah, we got that answer. Uh, the Mandalorian starts showing some attachment here to the to the child uh, because after delivering the after delivering the the child, he starts to ask about what's going to happen to it. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, and he kind of gets put in his place by the client. Uh, he says, according to your guild, 
we should be f forgetting about this now. And yeah, and, payment should be enough for you to just take your payment and go and move on, basically. Yeah. And speaking of payment, he gets a ton of best car steel. Indeed, enough for kind of full armor, basically. Yeah, he he got one plate before, and he got a ton of plates this time. Uh, so mm -hmm. he has enough for a set of armor, and then some, plenty left over, uh, left over for the foundlings. So speaking of that new armor, uh, he goes back to the armory. Uh, the armorer uh, will forge him a new set, and she says that this will draw many eyes, and that kind of brings in a group of other Mandalorians to challenge him at that point. Right. And he gets into a little spat, which I, which I kind of enjoyed, a little spat with another Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And we see some Viper Blades, uh, which is what he used to kill the Mudhorn on Arvala. Right. Uh, we see the Viber Blades, which have been a part of uh, Star Wars and, and Legends lore for a while. Uh, so it's cool to see those in action. Uh, you know, kind of cool to see them on screen now. Yeah, definitely cool to see them incorporating that, yeah. that kind of stuff. But then again, during the forging scenes, kind of neat how, the, how they're using the forging scenes to, to go back and tell the Mando's backstory. Yeah, these forging scenes kind of elicit these flashbacks. Yeah, and it's almost like they're not just forging. We're not seeing the forging of the armor. We're kind of seeing of how we're kind of seeing how the Mandalorian was forged along the way. So it's kind of a, a neat little uh, parallel there, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So this new glimpse into his past uh, shows him as as a young child again uh, but this time his village is getting torn apart by uh, b2 super battle droids it's yeah i think it's pretty clear at again. this point this is the clone wars time mm -hmm. yeah i love mm -hmm. seeing them again i love that tie into the clone wars mm -hmm. and we also see that it appears that the death of his parents came from one of these b2 battle droids which could explain his general dislike for droids yeah, that definitely explains that and the, the reasoning behind that. Um, and, you know, again, he was, we see that he was kind of, in a way, orphaned, you know, after right. his, his right. parents died. And, and again, you know, making that connection to baby Yoda more meaningful and, yeah. and everything. Yeah. So our next scene is back in the cantina. He visits uh, Grief. Karga again. He's looking for some some more work. Uh, and Grief kind of scoffs at him and tells him, "Take a day off. I'll take you to see some Twi'leks." And <laughs> 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 um, but again, the Mandalorian is asking about the fate of of the child. So yep. we're seeing he he's wanting some answers here, and he's not getting them. Uh, but he does get a new bounty to go to the Ocean Dunes of Karlak, which is interesting. That was actually a planet that was visited in the Clone Wars. It's, it's a cold planet. Okay, it sounded familiar, but I wasn't I wasn't sure where I heard that before. Yeah, so he gets his next bounty, uh, but he goes to leave. He gets in his ship, and I, I love I love this 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 knob thing and how this kind of is the catalyst to, to get him to go back. But but the little knob that baby that the child baby yoda uh, wanted at the beginning he goes to to flip that lever and that's what gets him to kind of stop and think about this again yep so, yeah just had that little meaningful yes. connection that reminded him of you know baby yoda and everything yeah so he shuts everything off heads back to to the client's uh hole in the wall room apartment complex type thing mm-hmm 
and he starts doing some recon work, and he overhears a conversation between the client and Dr. Pershing, which has some interesting uh, story elements here. Apparently, the Empire wants this child for reasons, and uh, the client tells Dr. Pershing that we need to, uh, quote-unquote, extract the necessary materials, and that he can no longer protect uh, the Doctor uh, anymore. Yeah, for me, this was the most interesting part of the episode. Um, just mm-hmm. talking about extracting materials, um, mm-hmm. and and what that might mean, you know, and whether that's you know, whatever gives, you know, Baby Yoda or the species long life, or or maybe it's you know, yeah. midichlorians, um, you know, what whatever whatever it might be that they're extracting, I think is very interesting. And where is that going to go? Yeah. So that's about all that Mandalorian needs to hear. Uh, he, he, this, this basically sends him into John Wick mode. Right. And I, I think he, I think he realizes that at this point, if he doesn't step in, this child is going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there were a lot of aspects of this episode that were very predictable, sure. but I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I no. think this, th- these things were predictable in the best way possible because, you yeah. know, you had this feeling, okay, he's going to bring him in. He's going to get new armor. I was, you know, we were kind of talking it out as we were watching the episode. Like he's going to get right. new armor. He's going to go back there and kick some butt and yeah, get and baby Yoda back. And then it builds your suspense, um, but then it kind of gives you that instant gratification. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, like we said, he goes John Wick style. and, and Oh, John Wick and, style and, for and sure, and I loved it. And he just totally blows the place up. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and we get to see everything, uh, maybe not everything, but we get to see a lot of the tools that he has in his repertoire. Yeah, pretty uh, much every way he could use his weapons, we got to see that, which that, was really cool. We got to see the, the flamethrower a couple times. So that toasted stormtrooper was a pretty, pretty intense scene mm-hmm. uh, we get to see his his armor upgrades and you have to remind me of the name of these things the whistling uh I, I yeah like the whistling birds or something like something, that something like that uh yeah those take out a group of four four or five stormtroopers all at once mm-hmm. uh, get to see yeah, it was kind of reminiscent of iron man type stuff yeah yeah the same type of thing so so yeah he goes in and he he gets gets the child and makes his way back out, but then on his way back to his ship to leave, uh, we see that uh, the guild has activated a bounty on him. Right. So we we get to this really cool, almost Western movie style standoff. Standoff, yeah. With the entire town is just there, all pointing guns at him. And mm-hmm. he's on his way out, and he, he, he Grief Karga uh, is, is there as well. Uh, kind of leading the the opposition against him uh, tells him to you know leave the kid and we'll work this out from here uh, but Mandalorian has other ideas so he he starts to shoot off and does pretty well you know we see the uh, flamethrower again he's able to f- fight off a lot of these uh, bounty hunters but then it, it gets to a point where he just can't he, he's overwhelmed there, there's no way yeah. out. He's he's gonna die. Mm-hmm. But then the Mandalorians save the day. The other Mandos show up. We got some jetpack action. We got yeah. very very cool stuff. 
Yeah, great, great scene. The, the, they come out of hiding, uh, which has it's going to have some ramifications for them. Yeah, that'll have some implications too, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. They're going to have to relocate now, so we're going to probably see them on a different planet. Mm-hmm. So we'll yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, we'll catch up with them later. Uh, but they come save the day. Like you said, we see everything from jetpacks to, to, to rockets to everything else. And uh, Mandalorian is able to, to get back on his ship where he has another run-in with Grief Karga and uh, shoots him in, in, in the chest, but happens to shoot him right where Grief was hiding his uh, finder's fee from the best guy. Yeah. For, for a second there, I thought, oh man, we're losing another what was yeah. supposed to be a major character right off the bat here. Um, but then, you know, I we, we, we see the reveal of, of the Beskar steel, which, you know, so we have, we're going to get some I more totally grief. Missed. I got to understand. I got to, I got to come clean here. I totally missed that. That was, yeah. Yeah. He shows that, that Beskar earlier in the cantina. Yes, he does. Uh, yep. Where he says mm-hmm. that he, he, you know, he is rich too. Yep. And I watched this episode twice and I don't know if I just wasn't, in, in the right frame of mind, but I missed that twice. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, I like, I didn't, at the time that he got shot, I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I did like, I do remember seeing him re- reveal it. I just, yeah. it didn't click at that moment. I was like, Oh my goodness. Grief's yeah. gone now too. But, um, but yeah, that wasn't the case. Yeah. And, uh, we get one more little scene, which I, I love this scene uh but baby, oh yeah the child is there baby yoda is there and he reaches up for this for this uh for this knob again this moment is priceless right here and this time it th- this is where we see the mandalorians kind of progression through this one episode uh, Absolutely. because before that wasn't a toy and he put it back on and he put it back on, he screwed it back on, but now mm-hmm. he unscrews that knob and hands it to willingly hands to it the to the child. Him. It's now a toy. Yeah. yeah. Just just a wonderful little moment there. And great It's amazing character growth within just a span of, you know, thirty seven yeah. minutes. Great use of that little prop. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. We, we, you know, we see at the beginning that the child really wants that. that that's a toy to him, but uh Mandalorian's kind of standoffish at that point. You know, mm-hmm. And uh, that totally changes at the end. Yeah. So that covers uh, Mandalorian Chapter 3. Have anything else you want to add before we head on here? Yeah, I do. Um, You know, I I just, for me, like, I didn't know really what to expect from the Mandalorian going in to this whole series. You know, and it very well could have been just like this bounty hunter story where we had these cool missions every week. You know, you could do a, a thing where it was just bounty after bounty and... Um, it just being cool stuff and cool looking, but it, but it went well beyond that. And in, in the driving force behind this story is this child, is yeah. baby Yoda, the child, and um, that's the that's the connection that the audience forms, and that's what's driving the story forward. And I think that was such a an interesting and a, a good choice to to push the story forward that way, where yeah, it could have been something different, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's what I love about it. Great. So we're getting a little bit more than just surface level cool bounty hunter stuff. We're getting like a deeper story. Yeah, and a, I would a agree. Deeper connection. That was probably my first fear uh, hearing about the Mandalorian was it was going to be a you know bounty hunter uh, shootout 
show, which right didn't right. sound familiar. It didn't sound uh, it didn't sound too well. That intriguing it can only me. take you so far. Yeah, you know you can only go so far with that. Bounty Hunters so. got a lot of attention after episode two with Django, but then we had the video games and we had all that stuff. But uh, for me, Bounty Hunters have just kind of been cool side characters. I wasn't very interested in checking them out any deeper than we already had, I guess. Yeah, same here, absolutely. And and this, but I have this to be, show has kind of been pleasantly surprised with the depth uh, that we've seen in this show. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's 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 much deeper than I thought it would be and um it's it's what's keeping me coming back for more and loving it. So Yeah, yeah, definitely the same for me. All right, sir. So are you ready to go into our final segment, our points of view? Yep, let's do it. Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Okay, Adam. So for our points of view today, um, there's something that's been on my mind for a while that I just wanted to get out in the, the article that Rolling Stone did in their interview with J.J. Abrams really brought this to the forefront of my mind. And um, in the interview, they were talking about like fan criticism about Ray's kind of giftedness in the force um, without training and how she was able to learn things faster than typical. And and you touched on this a little bit earlier in our talk today. And, and J.J.'s kind of response to this criticism and about her, just her strength in the force, he, he's, his quote was, yeah, it's spooky, right? Um, it's a fair point. It's not an accident. Do you want to talk first of, about your point of view on this, um, and then I can kind of give you mine? Yeah, sure. So for me, all along, I feel like she has some type of connection somewhere. I don't know what that connection is. But the explanation we were given in The Last Jedi I don't think is the full explanation. I think that was a partial vision that Kylo had kind of like Ray's partial vision that Kylo would eventually turn. And we saw mm-hmm. that he did turn, but not for reasons that she had assumed. So I believe that in the same token, Kylo's vision of Ray's past isn't the full story of Ray's past. Right. Like the people that dropped her off uh, on Jakku were not necessarily the same people that were her parents. Right, right. There's definitely more to the story. So... Yeah, that's that's where I'm getting at. Like, I, th- I think there's more to to her story that uh, that would possibly explain her affinity with the Force. Uh, because I, while I don't mind her being a nobody, I think that it is more easily digested if she has that connection somewhere along the line. Uh, yeah, and, I would agree I, with that. Yeah, and I had said earlier that I was okay with her just being strong in the Force, and I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it. I think it's a lot easier to 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 swallow uh, if she does have some type of connection like that. Sure, and I think from a certain point of view, just like with Obi Wan's explanation of Luke's father, you know, being Anakin and and yeah. and Darth Vader, basically, you know, murdering his father being a truth from a certain point of view i think maybe the truth kylo gives ray in the last jedi about her her parents from a certain point of view there might be truth to it Mm -hmm. um but again i think there's definitely more to that story that's going to be uncovered and i think 
it will definitely be explained why Ray is so powerful in the force. And I think, again, JJ saying it's, it's no accident is very telling. And, you know, my, my theory for a little while, and, and I'm sure we'll dive into this when we do our episode nine theories, mm-hmm. a, a prevailing theory that I kind of like is her, you know, being maybe some type of creation or clone from from luke's hand or something like that so so she actually in some way is actually a skywalker um yeah and and that's just one theory that i that i kind of like um but i but whether that's true or not i think that we're gonna get more and personally i've i've never had an issue with ray being powerful like i've always been upset about people calling ray a mary sue and you know just saying that she could just pick things up and 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 do them but for me like it wasn't too dissimilar from, from Luke's journey in where, you know, in, in a new hope, he has like a conversation with Obi-Wan that I wouldn't even really consider training. I mean, he does a little training with the remote. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, he uses the force to destroy the death star. So I I don't think it's, it's that big of a, of a leap in my, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I've always just kind of felt like I know it never bothered me that, that Ray was, was strong with the force and again i don't think somebody necessarily has to go through a certain amount of 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 training to be able to at least access the force and feel a connection to it if there's belief there if there's a connection there and i I think there's one line in the last jedi that explains her power in the force for me that is enough for me and that is when snoke says darkness rises and light to meet it and he kind of explains that the darkness that has risen from Snoke and from Kylo Ren, there has to be light to balance that out. And in the force, the force is always trying to balance itself. So Luke shut himself off from the force. Um, So Snoke thought it would be Luke that would balance out the force, but it actually had to be Rey. It had to be Rey for some reason. And and I think that's why she's so powerful is because she was basically chosen by the force, in my opinion, and is balancing it out. So for me, I think it makes complete sense. And I've always just been a little bit grumpy <laughs> about people, yeah. you know, having an issue with Ray or calling her a Mary Sue. And for me, I kind of think about even recently in The Mandalorian with, with Baby Yoda and how obviously Baby Yoda hasn't been trained in the Force, but he was able to, you know, use the Force to stop the uh, the Mudhorn from, from killing the Mandalorian. So I think, you know, it's clear in different forms of storytelling that you can use the force without having training so yeah. that's just my little point of view for this week on that yeah, it's definitely. been on my mind yeah yeah. I, I, yeah I definitely see where you're coming from there like i don't i don't mm-hmm. think that that ray is disconnected from this whole story as we're of it as we've been led to believe i think that there's some type of connection there i don't know what that is yet i have a couple ideas a couple theories and like yeah. I said maybe we'll save that for later yeah, we'll dive into our our theories, but in the f- near future. But yeah, and especially JJ saying that the, the, it's no accident. I mean that that has to mean something, I guess. So yeah, and I can't wait to figure out what that reason is. So yeah, yeah. December twentieth can't come soon enough. Indeed. Okay, well, I think we're gonna head up to our our wrap up segment. Indeed, let's do it. I'm just glad you're here.
Okay, well, that wraps it up for episode four. Uh, we had a quick little point of view section there, but a lot of fun to talk about Ray. And then we had a lot of a lot of reviews again to get through this week. There's just been so much to, to talk about with reviews the last two weeks. Not complaining, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but those, Absolutely. But those sections are probably going to be a little bit longer uh, for the next couple of weeks at least. So remember, uh, again, to check out the website from a certain point of view.com. We had a new blog post this week. Uh, that was from me. I talked a little bit about uh, where star Wars has been and where it's going. So make sure if you haven't read that, check it out. Uh, that was one that kind of really came from my heart, I guess. So I would appreciate if you, if you check that one out. Also remember to, if you're subscribing in, in iTunes, leave us a review there. That helps a lot. Uh, anywhere that you that you're s- subscribing to the show that you can leave a review those types of things really help uh, more than more than you can imagine really so uh, we would appreciate that absolutely and remember we are also on Facebook uh, you can find us uh, find our page there uh, from a certain point of view uh, we're sharing some articles and some some fun things in Star Wars there so you can join the discussion there uh, we're also on Twitter we are at certain POV pod. That's uh, certain POV and then POD. Uh, so you can talk to us there. And then also our Discord channel. We've been having a heck of a lot of conversation in, in our Discord channel. Yeah, some great conversations happening over there at Discord. So check it out. Yeah, and you can find the link to that in our, our show notes. And it's also on the website as well. So wherever you're at, make sure you, you find us and connect with us. We'd love to talk to you about anything Star Wars. Uh, all things Star Wars, there's so much to talk about. So whatever you, you might be interested in across games, books, comics, movies, all of it, uh, theories, spoilers, there's going to be a place for you to talk. So we hope to hope to see you there soon, and we'll talk to you all next week. And remember, the Force will be with you. Always. <laughs>